With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to ask you about a couple of loose end things. It's Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you guys here in the huddle. Saquon Barkley and his offer from the Giants and then the Trey Lance rumors. And let's start with Saquon. Saquon has said he's not going to show up, right? They have until July 17th to get a deal done with the franchise tag, which they still could. But basically, he's not happy because obviously he didn't get the deal and they haven't gotten it done. And then the Trey Lance trade rumors. Are the 49ers legitimately trying to move on from Trey Lance and basically saying, hey, look, we got our guy. We went and got Sam Darnold. We traded for him. We got our backup and we got our starter once Purdy comes back. Lance is expendable. Well, let's start with Lance. Let's let's start. First of all, nobody knows when Brock Purdy is going to be healthy and ready to go. Maybe it's July, but maybe it's August. Maybe he doesn't really feel like the whip is back until you get to September. So I said a couple weeks ago that Sam Darnold, if given a chance, would be good competition for Trey Lance. And everybody in the Bay Area just said, man, you hate Trey. I go, I don't hate Trey. Nobody hates Trey. He started four games in San Francisco in two years. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah. You know, and, he, and if you had the, the, you know, his last year at North Dakota State, he started five games in the last three years. Well, Sam Darnold started the last six games for Carolina last year. He went four and two. And they were in a division race until they lost to Tampa week 17, I believe. So it's not like Sam Darnold can't play. He's been in some terrible situations. He's had some injuries. I'm not saying Sam Darnold, but I don't think he's washed up. Like you put Sam Darnold on that offense with Kyle Shanahan and whatever they do in this draft, like, they, you know that that's a bona fide guy that could that could start, and you'd see whatever Sam Darnold is, you're going to see the best of Sam Darnold. So then you go, okay, well, is Trey Lance expendable? Well, what's the market for Trey? That's like, why would you like if we're just stock trading right now, Carl? Why are we selling so low? Like, what are you going to get? Like, we're talking about the third pick in the draft that is t- highly unproven. We, you know, he's one and three as a starter. He hadn't shown much, you know, lost to like, I'm not blaming the opening lost against the bears in a monsoon last year, the Trey Lance, but that's one of the two games he started next week. He got hurt. Like that's it. So like, it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality. So I just don't, the, the trade rumors can be just that rumors. That's fine. John Lynch has to, you know, address those things. And he did, but I just don't understand not knowing what Brock Purdy is at this point after the Tommy John surgery, 
why would you sell so low Trey Lance to some taker out there that could get the third pick in the draft from three years ago? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me to San Francisco not knowing what their situation is. You need a quarterback this offseason to go through the OTAs and all the other stuff. The offseason, somebody's got to throw to to Debo and to, you know, Ayuk and the Kittle. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I just – I don't understand why San Francisco would do that. Like – you know, Jimmy Garoppolo became valuable when she proved that he could stay healthy and play, and here he is. So, you know, they got value out of Jimmy. I think you get the same value out of Trey. Baldy, uh, we're a couple of days away from the draft. Um, it's a fun time of year, guys. It just is. And and for me, I always talk about this on my shows, Baldy, that the thing about the draft is your team changes. The NFL draft is an immediate draft, meaning we draft you, we put you in there, we, we slot you in, and you immediately have an impact, right? That's what happens in the NFL. It's not the MLB draft where I got to wait five years for a guy to get through the minor leagues and see what he can do. And so that is exciting from the standpoint, whatever happens Thursday, Friday, and Saturday could potentially change your team and set your team on a course to maybe a Super Bowl. So we're a couple of days away. I want to ask you, have your opinions changed on any of these prospects or any of these teams and their draft strategy now that we're a few days away. Baldy, those those boards are up there. We know. <laughs> no more pencil, right? I mean, this is that they're they they've got their focus on just a few guys and they got plan B, A, B, C, and D, depending on how this thing shakes out. Have you and your opinions changed on any of these prospects? All right, because mine has changed on one, and I'm gonna tell you who it is in a minute or the teams and their draft strategy as we're just two days away? Well, just briefly, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs struck gold in the draft last year from Isaiah Pacheco. You know, you just go through the whole list. I mean, they wouldn't have won. Um, they wouldn't have won a Super Bowl without the rookie contributions. Christian you know, Watson and some, some of these guys that were just unbelievable for them. Um, you know, they had six guys playing on defense that made Karloftis, you know, like, you just go through the list of guys. So, Baldy, would you be willing to say they want a Super Bowl in a – I don't want to say a rebuild, but a retool? They want a Super Bowl when you drafted all these guys and you didn't know how much they were going to, you know, give you, and yet you were still able to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, they they, they needed help on defense, and these rookies gave big help on defense. You know, and so, you know, they – the wall the, – the, you know, they protected – uh, Mahomes well enough, you know, for the offense to to kick in. So the one guy that my opinion has changed on is Bijan. Like I believe that he's not going to fall any further than ten to Philadelphia, and mm. here's why: when they gave, when they rewarded Jalen Hurts with his new contract and his extension, I said this is this whole league is about offense. You can say defense wins championships, and Kansas City did a great job in the second half, um, you know, shutting Philadelphia down to win a Super Bowl. Uh, there's a role for defense, but you got to be a you got to be a point scorer. And I just thought, you know, look, they've got a glaring hole at right guard in Philadelphia, losing Isaac Samalo, and they don't have his replacement on the roster. Like I feel like if you took Bijan at ten and Osiris Torrance at thirty, and you put the 340-pound right guard in between Kelsey and Lane Johnson and let Jeff Stoutley go to work with them. And you put Bijan in the backfield with Jalen Hurts, who scored 15 rushing touchdowns last year. To me, this offense 
could look unstoppable with AJ and, you know, Devontae and all the guys they have. Like, I'd say just keep the offense humming. And for that reason, like, I still believe Atlanta could take Bijan at eight. Chicago could definitely take him at nine. And the Eagles could take him at 10. And a couple weeks ago, I thought there's no way I would take a running back in the top 10. But now I I feel after really studying Bijan, spending time with LaDainian Tomlinson, going through a lot of tape with them, I feel like he's not going to get out of the top 10. That's the guy whose my opinion has changed. That's that's great uh, because I've been trying to sell the Falcons on this for, for a month now, two months actually, because when I first brought it up, the initial conversation is you don't take a running back in the first round, right? Everybody's against it. But my thing is exactly what you're talking about. This is an offensive league. And when you talk about just the Eagles, I'll use the Eagles. Forget about the Falcons for a second. Now you've got to defend RPO. Now you've got to defend play action. And you've got a guy that runs away from people. Okay. So if he gets in the second level, forget about it. So that dynamic, and now I'm telling you the Eagles are scoring, let's just say they're scoring 31 a game. All right. Mm -hmm. Not 35, 31 a game. That's a problem with that defense because now I'm putting pressure on the opposing team's offense to have to come back down and try to keep up with us. And I've seen this, Baldy, you've seen it. When you have these dynamic offenses, it's your best defense. Your defense is not on the field a lot. And when they are, they now dictate what teams are doing. They don't have to worry about, oh, we're you know in a three-point game and they, they've got the full playbook in front of them. They're trying to get back in these games because you're down two touchdowns or whatever it might be. That, to me, is the reason alone to take Bijan, whether it's Chicago, and I know they're not where the Eagles are offensively, or it's the Falcons and Arthur Smith who loves to run the football, and he's got a young quarterback. Take the pressure off. Well, Carl, I played in my career, I played with two Hall of Fame running backs. I played with Tony Dorsett and Eric Dickerson. And I'm just telling you, when the quarterback, whoever it was, in those in those places I played, when you can hand the ball off to a Hall of Fame running back, and I'm not putting Bijan in the Hall of Fame. Sure, sure. But obviously, he is a talented, talented player. When you can turn around and hand the ball off, and whether I was executing my block or I was getting my butt whipped, whatever, like those guys made me look better. They make everybody look better. And, you know, we, we use this phrase, well, take the pressure off the quarterback. There is a great deal of that when you can screen to Bijan. Mm. I, I showed plays yesterday where he runs routes like a wide receiver. Not not the routes that Alvin Camaro runs or Aaron Jones runs where you're running these little flat routes or you're running these screens. I'm talking about running wide receiver routes down the field, attacking safeties. Like there is a component to his game that you can't say many running backs can do. And then if – you see, like we often do in this league, just bad tackling, bad angling, guys dropping their heads. Like his footwork is so good that if you drop your head and you're just like running into him, like he's going to make you miss and just be by you. Like there's so many different ways to utilize his talent that I just don't understand how Chicago could pass at nine. If you got Justin Fields and the way that you're capable of running the ball, even last year the way they ran the ball at times with Khalil Herbert, you know, David Montgomery, Justin yeah. Fields, and you add Bijan, like, I just know, like, the Bears won a Super Bowl and Walter Payton was the running back. Like, I'm, yep. believe me, I'm not comparing him to Walter or any of these guys. But, you know, it was pretty, pretty good time in Chicago. 
And if you said Atlanta at eight, well, I mean, Arthur Smith comes from Tennessee where he had Derrick Henry. And <laughs> they ran, a, you know, that offense you just described, Yep. you know, with Derrick Henry. I don't know how he gets out of the top 10, Carl. It's a great point, Baldy. And I don't think you're wrong. I think he is legitimately a top 10 pick and maybe the fifth or sixth best overall player in this draft. The guy that maybe I've changed on, and it's only because I keep hearing this information, is C.J. Stroud. I'm not convinced the Texans are going to take C.J. Stroud at two if Bryce goes one. And part of this is, Baldy, and we've had this conversation. This is the only guy I've changed my opinion on. I think C.J. is very good. I still think he's a first-round pick. But when you hear, okay, that teams are concerned that he may have had the best receiving core in college football history with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith, and Jigba, most college football teams, Baldy, have one of those guys. Yeah, He had four. And so now you Marvin Harrison was in this draft, he'd be the first receiver taken, bar none. Hands down. So – my only concern is you hear executives, you know, whispers about, okay, kid interviewed great, but is he really this? And I think that is a concern now if he starts to fall in this draft. And I don't know if he will, but I, my opinion has changed. And I also said this to you the last week. The S2 test, I don't know how much you put into it. The S2 cognitive test, you know, again, it's like the Wonderlick. It's one component of the makeup of a player. But when you hear Bryce Young crush this test and it's processing and all this stuff, and then you hear C.J. Stroud, well, he struggled a little bit. His grades weren't as good. How much do you look at that? Executives look at that and they say, well, maybe we want to take a step back. I think he's still going to be a first-round pick. There's no doubt. But does he fall and potentially does he's not the second overall pick? Maybe he's not the second quarterback taken overall. Well, I don't think Houston's taking a quarterback at two. And not because of the S2 test and not because it's C.J. Stroud. I just think if you look at D'Amico Ryans, okay, like he has, like, you know, he, he's been on a pretty quick rise from his playing days to where he's at. But he spent all his time in San Francisco. Right. So what is San Francisco, what have they been doing for the last five years? It's just been quarterback, not drama, but they've seen quarterbacks injured. They've seen major trades to go get Trey Lance and then see what happens. Meanwhile, they plug in Mr. Irrelevant last year to a team that was Super Bowl well-built with the number one defensive football, weapons everywhere, trade for Christian McCaffrey, got a you know a Hall of Fame left tackle, all this stuff. And you put Brock Purdy into that system and you go, there's a guy that just went 8-0. It looked all world. And I think D'Amico Ryan says, look, I'm looking at my roster here. And, okay, we got Laramie Tunsil. All right, what, we, we've got Damian Pierce. Like, what do we have? And I'm, he's saying, like, we got the second 12 pick. Like, let's not rush this. If you don't think that C.J. Stroud or anybody else, you know, might be, you know, the next coming of, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Like, if we don't have that. Let's go get elite players and let's build this roster. Like, what's the rush? Like next year, there's Caleb Williams, there's, you know, whatever, the May, like all these guys, but not that they're gonna be in a position for that, but they don't want to be. But you know, let's let's not if we don't think that CJ Stroud is Patrick Mahomes or one of these guys, like let's just 
let's just get solid, solid players right now and build this thing. That's how I feel D'Amico Ryan's in these meetings, you know, with Nick Casario and whoever. Yeah. He's sitting around going, guys, I just came from San Francisco. <laughs> like, believe me, I know it's hard. Um, it's no guarantees because we got a quarterback here, you know, with, with sitting there at number two. And that's kind of how I feel Houston's looking at this thing. Yeah, and, and you go get your edge. I mean, he had two guys in San Francisco, right? I mean, but you go get those guys. You get your big DTs. You, you start to set this up to have long-term success. I agree with you, Baldy. I, I'm more inclined to say that they go defense, and uh, who that player is, we'll wait to see. But I agree. I can't wait. I hope you can't wait. And we're back at you on Friday. We're talking about all the things that happened on Thursday night in the first round. And, you know, it's going to be hard. I'll say this, guys. I know everybody wants to give grades and, oh, this is a successful pick and all that. We will look at this probably a little bit differently on this podcast because Baldy and I know that at the end of the day, we won't know until, until these guys strap them on and we start to see games and plays and blocks and runs and all of that. But there is an element to did the team go in the right direction. And we'll certainly be talking about it on Friday. Make sure you uh, subscribe in the huddle and uh, like us. Tell your friends about us, guys. New episodes coming out, but this week, not Thursday, Friday, because the NFL draft. Hey, everybody, enjoy. Baldy, look forward to hearing you and Jason on Thursday leading up to the draft, man. Have some fun, brother. Yep. It'll be a great week here, Carl. Thank you. All right, my man. We'll talk soon. Everybody else, you guys take care.